This talk was recorded by Campus Outreach Minneapolis, the college ministry of Bethlehem Baptist Church, as part of the 2022 Summer Training Project. For more information on Summer Training Project or Campus Outreach Minneapolis, visit cominneapolis.org. So uh, I wanted to open up this week and just ask the room um, if there were any encouraging stories or things that you learned while going out on the beach last week. I learned that there's sand on the beach that you can draw pictures in, as in the bridge diagram. You don't need to bring your own napkins with you onto the beach. You can do it right in the sand. Anything else? Um, so just to recap from last week, we talked about a vision for life and multiplication. Uh, a vision for a life of a laborer. And we talked about how it was a dynamic life of joy, uh, but that it's a life that's filled with a lot of difficulties. And what we learned from Luke and Morgan is that even though is that even though there's a uh, <laughs> you look crazy when you're swiping at a bug. And then you just look like you're a crazy person. Um, uh, It's a dynamic life, so difficulty, but what we learned from Luke and Morgan is that it's worth it. It's worth it because of the glory of God. It's worth it because of the grace of Jesus that we get to enjoy. Uh, And it's worth it because of the good of others that we get to pursue. So this week we're going to be talking about something different. can, um, uh, Can you expect God to work in your ministry to others? Can you expect God to work in your ministry to others? And when I mean ministry, I just mean this. I mean what we're talking about in these times. Our our um, desire to go have real relationships for the gospel persuasion. Can you expect God to move and to work? To do, uh, to look at this, we're going to be looking at a passage from the Old Testament that's not going to be directly related to like evangelism. Um, but I think we can draw some uh, really helpful principles from there. And it's uh, Joshua 5. 13 through 15. So uh, let me tee this up for you a little bit. This passage, um, Joshua, if you're unfamiliar with the book of Joshua, um, Joshua is the story of the people of Israel. And so Joshua is the book uh, of Joshua um, leading the Lord's people um, after Moses passes um, into the promised land uh, to take over the land that God had promised to them. and so it's a pretty terrifying time because this people that's been wandering in the desert for 40 years uh, is, as you can imagine, uh, they were slaves before, and now they've been wandering for 40 years, and they are not really the most military-oriented uh, nation in the world. And uh, But God is going to send them um, into this land to do this. And so Joshua's leading these people, and he's, he's headed to this place called Jericho, and he encounters a soldier on the road. All right. So when he sees the soldier, uh, we'll get into the story. When Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked. Behold, the man was standing before him with his drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or are you for our adversaries? Right? Joshua sees a soldier and he says, Hey, are you on our side or are you on their side? Like, am I going to have to put you down or are you going to join us? And then the next verse is astounding. And he said, this is the soldier. But I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come. And see how Joshua responds. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped. And said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? 
the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take off your sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Joshua thought he was talking to a soldier who he would fight for or against him, right? Uh, but what he encountered with this guy, what he never expected, is that this guy was Joshua's own commander. And not just Joshua's own commander. Joshua falls on the ground and worships him. And do you see this man do anything about that? In fact, he encourages Joshua, doesn't he? The place you're standing is holy. Reminiscent of Moses meeting God um, in the burning bush. And what a lot of commentators will tell you is that this could possibly be uh, pre-incarnate Jesus uh, coming uh, to talk to Joshua. Um, and we won't get into some of that, but uh, so so this Joshua gets and meets this person who's his own and his question of, are you going to be on my side or are you going to be on their side, turns into, what would you have to do? What would you have to do? Uh, because who would go on and conquer Jericho coming from here? It's not going to be Joshua. Joshua might be the leader of the armies, but what you see in the, in the uh, Battle of Jericho is that they march around the city a bunch of times and blow some trumpets and the walls fall down and take over the city. Right? And throughout the rest of the book of Joshua, crazy things happen where it is so clear that it is the Lord who is fighting on Israel's behalf. Who conquers the promised land for the people of Israel? The Lord does. Not Joshua, but he, Joshua and them, they're, they're coming alongside of what the Lord is doing in giving this land to his people. Um, if you are looking for a book, um, Zach made a comment yesterday um, about reading the Bible like it was a fantasy novel. If you're looking for a book that's like engaging, like a fantasy novel, go read the book of Joshua. It is awesome. Um, but why? So why um, are we kind of talking about this? It's because this was all God's idea from the start. Why is God conquering the land for them? It was all God's idea from the start, right? Um, when God showed up to Abraham, he made a promise to Abraham back in Genesis 12 to make of him a great nation, and that all the nations of the world would be blessed through him. Abraham did not sit down one day and go, you know what would be a great idea? If I became a great nation and I had an awesome land, and then like the world would might be blessed through me. And then let me go find a God who would never. No. God showed up to Abraham and said, hey, I want to make some promises for you. This is God's idea all from the start. God initiated to him, and God has always been the one that assures that his purpose is actually coming back. Joshua is only fighting in this battle because he is a soldier in God's army. So, we don't find ourselves as soldiers, but we do find ourselves in a mission and on a plan that is not our idea. This has been God's idea from the start. This was all God's idea. Uh, what I want you to walk away with from today is that we are not the evangelists here. God is the great evangelist. God is the great evangelist in the world. And it's an incredible encouragement to us as we seek to pursue a lifetime of real relationships full of gospel persuasion. Because this has been God's idea all along, and he is the one who will ensure that it happens. He is the one who will, who will kind of put his... Um, Put his effort, put his heart on the line to make these things come about. And that's what we're going to see. I want, I want to show you what God's role, what God's place, how God feels about what we're talking about today, and how that encourages and how that shapes our own selves. All right? 
And so the first thing is that his heart is all right. Right? So his heart is all right. Let's take for a second, uh, let's look for a second look at actually God doing harm. So Ezekiel 33, 11 says this. Say to them, as I live, declares the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way to live. Turn back, turn back from the evil ways, for why will you die of pastors? You see that? That is God's love for the world. He has no pleasure in the death of the wicked. And when he says, turn back, turn back, you can hear the longing in his voice. Turn back, come back to me. Um, I think I'm good. Yeah, first Timothy two four. Um, God our Savior desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge. That is God's heart for the world. We here's what I want you to get this morning. Um, we are not the ones who are out trying to get the world saved, and we're just hoping God comes along for the ride. Right? We're not hoping that God will come with us and kind of do stuff as we do it, that he'll respond to what we're doing and make it work. No, that is not the picture that we have in mind. God is the initiator. God is the one whose heart breaks for the world and sinks and goes out to um, And you see this even as uh, Paul thinks about his own work in ministry. He says this in Philippians 1.8. He says, For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affections of Christ Jesus. Paul is so captivated by the affections of Christ Jesus for him and for the world that Paul then turns in his heart in affection to those people as well and seeks them out. God is the one who leads out with his heart, and then we take our hearts and we follow him. Does that make sense? Here's what this means, though. This means that when you are... Um, you know, you're, you're thinking of people in your um, circles, you're thinking of a close friend of yours who you've been sharing with and sharing with and nothing seems to be happening. And your heart breaks for them because their life is kind of like, man, if they just knew the grace of Jesus, like if they, if they could see what I could see, right? Um, and you go to God in prayer, know this, God's heart breaks for them more than yours does, right? Like God's heart is the one who's primarily uh, burdened for them so when we pray, we get to come to God encouraged in prayer that God, you know just like me and much, much more than me what this person is going through, what's going on in their life. You, much more than me, want them to come to save So his heart becomes our heart in all this. And next, uh, his mission becomes our mission. Uh, we're going to look at some passages to see that. First one's Luke 19. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Why did Jesus come? He came to seek and to save the lost. Right? If I'm thinking, what should I use my life for? There's a lot of different things. And I don't want to boil everything that we are created for in God down to a handful of things. But I do know this. Jesus came to the world to seek and to save the lost. And I want my I want myself to be going into the world to see the sick the lost. That makes sense. Um, next one. Go and learn what this means. 
I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I came to call the righteous but sin. I came not to call the righteous but sinners. This is Jesus' name. You see Jesus' heart here, um, not just for the righteous, but for sinners as well. In the last week. In the Great Commission, Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have given to you. Behold, I am you always in the name of Okay. So we see here very, very clearly Jesus is a mission. Right? And I think this last one captures it as it applies to us as well. Jesus says, All authority has been given to me. He says, What do I do with them? Go. I send you. Go and make disciples of all nations. Disciples of who? Disciples of Jesus. Right? Um, and here's some things that that does for us. When his mission becomes our mission, how does that orient the way that we think about evangelism? The first one is that it causes us to initiate to a lost world. Because we see Christ initiating to a lost world. Right? Christ goes out and he searches for. Uh, people that he can come and he can show his love to, that he can bring his gospel to, those passages that we read before are times where the first one was Zacchaeus, who was a tax collector, and the second one was Matthew, the Levi, he was a tax collector as well. And um, these are these are people who are kind of the lowest of the low in that society. And Jesus is is going to them. He's initiating them. He's pursuing people that you wouldn't have expected Jesus to pursue with the hope of the gospel. And what does that do in us? That makes us, that, that breaks us out of our stagnancy and that like that sends us into the world to go look for people that I might not even expect would be people who would be interested in the gospel. Right? And that brings us to the next one. What, what we see in Jesus' mission to go save the world, sinners, not just the righteous, but sinners, is it leads us to never disqualify anyone, right? Like, we never disqualify anyone, because all of the people that Jesus is going after are people that the Pharisees in the time would have been people, um, they had disqualified them. They said, hey, don't, you know, don't spend time with them, don't talk with them, they're beyond hope, right? But you see Jesus initiating and going after people like this. Why? Because God is the great evangelist. Jesus is the great evangelist. His heart breaks for the world when he goes into the world to pursue them. The next thing this leads us to is that we take the gospel forward, right? If Jesus came to seek and to save the lost, that means what our role is. If I'm seeing myself as like, Lord, what would you have for me? Then I want to go into the world bearing the message of the one who came to seek and to save others, right? If, if his role is to initiate to this world of love, my, my role is to take that gospel message and take it to people and say, hey, look how Jesus has pursued you. Look how Jesus has, has gone after your heart. And in repentance and belief, you become faithful in relationship. I think the last thing that it is just to reiterate that God is not reluctant. If you, if you ever think God is reluctant to say, Go back to these verses. It's not true. If there's a reluctant party in the work of evangelism, it's us, right? God is actively working in us. And the last one is that his rule is out So a passage kind of put a few of these things all together is one that if you've been around CO for very long, you've heard many times. 9, 36, 38. 
And he saw the crowds, this is Jesus, and he had compassion for them. Right? That's Christ's heart. He had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. You see in this passage both the heart of Christ and you see the mission of Christ. And in this ought to be our heart and our mission. But what do those things lead to? When you understand that God is the Lord of the harvest and that he wants to send laborers out into his harvest, what are we called? What's the command in this passage? Somebody, I'm actually asking. What's the command in this passage? Pray. Pray. If we understand that God, it, this has all been God's idea from the start, this idea of reaching people with the gospel, then what that leads me to do in my heart, that leads me to pray. That's my first and greatest ministry all around, is to pray. And here's what I hope this does in you, right? To, to kind of synthesize a lot of things that we just went over. Uh, God is not related. This has been God's idea all from the start. You are not creating this great idea to go save people. You are responding to the work that God has been doing in the world since the beginning and will continue to do until the returns. And what that leads us to do is to pray. But I think it leads us to pray in kind of a particular way. Now, here's where I think it's going to be stretching. Um, what I want you to think about is if this is all God's idea, this leads me to pray big prayers. Okay? This leads me to pray big prayers. Because this is the Lord's idea, I want you to go for it. Right? Dream big. Want more. Don't settle for small things. Because you know that this work will be done by the Lord's hand. Right? He is the one who's going out and doing it. Right? Um, let this stretch you in prayer. I think a lot of times the reason I'm limited in my prayer as I think about praying for non-Christians in, in my work in, in their life is because I'm thinking about it in my work in their life. Right? And so it's like, you know, I'm looking at my time, I'm looking at what I could possibly do and how eloquent am I? And I'm like, yeah, I think maybe one person would kind of grow a little bit maybe do that. But no, like, this is not me. This is the Lord's work. He's the one initiating this. And because of that, stretch, pray big prayers, dream big dreams. Um, because it will be by the Lord's hand. But know that it will be by the Lord's hand. Right? Okay. So here's what that does. When you know that this is God's mission, and I'm just coming alongside of it to work with him and what he's doing, I think I think it does a couple things. It humbles you. In, in seasons of obvious success, right? Like, in, in times where it feels like, oh man, people are coming to know the Lord, like people are vibing with what I'm talking about, like, uh, it humbles you because you know this isn't really because of me, right? Joshua conquers Jericho because you go, man, excellent remember. No, right? Because he remembers, oh yeah, I marched around that city with my trumpets. Uh, like, let it humble you in seasons of obvious success. But let it encourage you in seasons of apparent fruitlessness. Okay? 
Because if you continue in faith, it's not really your business. Your labor won't be in vain. It'll work in you something, but it'll grow you. It'll glorify and please the Lord as you continue to lead out in faith and obedience. And it's probably doing things in others that you just don't know. Right? Like it's probably doing things in them that, that won't actually come to fruition until years down the road. And if you go and ask some of, some of the staff, I'm sure they have stories of people who have, you know, nothing really seemed to happen, but then years down the road, they're getting connected up and like, oh my gosh, God was using that. Um, why? Because it's not primarily us, it's the Lord who, who initiates out into the world with his mission. And that we, in faith and obedience, come alongside, come behind, and respond to uh, something else. Okay, so if you're one of, if you're an evangelistic go-getter, right? Like if you're like, you know, chomping at the bit to get out on the beach today, I think this idea it humbles you, right? We talked about that. It humbles you because you realize it's not really about me. Uh, but I think it also directs your energy, right? It, it takes it takes what you're doing and it realizes like you realize. Uh, like Joshua, I fall down on my face and worship the Lord. And I say, Lord, what would you have me do? Like the Lord gets to direct your energy, your go gettingness to the places where He wants to use you. And what it does is it saves you from destructive pride and selfish pursuits. But for the reluctant evangelists in the room, I think realizing the things that we're talking about, it emboldens you with gospel power. And it mobilizes you into the world to just go be the answer. Like, just go start. Just go do it. Because the Lord's going to come alongside. This is his idea for this life. Pray for Jesus. Pray for prayers. All right, let me pray. Father God, thank you so much. God, um, if uh, the work of the world coming under the authority of Christ really needs to end, Finding our true life, um, eternal life. If that work was something initiated by man, uh, it would never happen. We would all die in our sin. But God, you have loved us with great love. You have showed your love for us while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. And you have led out in your heart and in your mission to reach a world that doesn't know you, so we're asking help us. And God, you really are the great. God, I pray that we would center our hearts around that and our minds around that, that we would, as obedient children, uh, pursue looking like our Father, that we would, um, as followers of you, seek to respond and to move into the ways in which you call us. God, we ask all this in Christ's name. Thank you for listening to this message from the 2022 Summer Training Project hosted by Campus Outreach Minneapolis, the college ministry of Bethlehem Baptist Church. Please feel free to share this message with others, but please don't charge, edit, or alter the content in any way without the written permission of Campus Outreach Minneapolis.